Fun in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Godfather Part 3. I'm Gav. I'm Joel. Well done. <laughs> I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like Godfather Part 3, our power isn't given, it's taken. Which is true, because Liam Neeson was taken and he is the definition of power, to be honest. So, <laughs> apologies in advance if you hear a succession of explosions in the background. It's not Dave rewatching Con Air. We're actually recording this on Bonfire Night. So, um, I, I, and for all those based outside the UK who don't know what that is, it's the annual celebration of a failed assassination attempt on uh, King James I. <laughs> uh, what better way to remind the king of the attempt on his life by blowing up the sky around him every year? <laughs> Now, as, as you may have heard before by Joel's fumble, unfortunately, we have no Brucey with us today, as he's probably burning effigies of us on a bonfire as we speak. Uh, and unfortunately, we don't have Mike either, who stepped in at the last minute to cover Joel. Uh, and he was very good, to be honest. He, I think he did a very good job. Uh, much better than, than you, to be honest, Joel. So you should... Well, I listened to the episode, and there was a, there was a definite drop in both quality and humour, to be honest. So... <laughs> But I, I, for one, I'm actually gutted because I had a new segment worked out for both Brucey and Mike. It's called Scotch Egg. <laughs> <laughs> because Mike is Scotch and Brucey looks like an egg. I, I'm, I've, obviously, I'm only joking. I hope he's not listening to this, by the way. Especially after last week when I compared him to a thumb. <laughs> if he's not bearing effigies of us before, he definitely is now anyway. Us. <laughs> oh, <with> me. <laughs> anyway, so if you've uh, never heard the show before, uh, where, where have you been? Essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. But there's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans including a caption contest a quiz some terrible impressions some stellar xylophone playing and a whole host of banter so please stick around as i said before this week's film on trial is godfather part three and it's going to be a particularly spoilerific episode so if you still haven't seen godfather part three even though it came out in like 1990 pause this go watch it then come back and listen to it or you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to you by my good self uh, which we will try and highlight in the comments section below. Bless you, Austin. <laughs> now, before we go on, our last film on trial was the final installment in our Halloween Horror Month. <laughs> Just when you thought you'd gotten rid of the sound effects. <laughs> yeah, no, they'll never end. Just when you thought they were out, <laughs> he pulls you back in. <laughs> so, uh, bless you again, Austin. Thank you. And uh, my, it was my pick last week. I picked Pet Cemetery. Ozzy and Mike were the jury for that trial and decided that it should be placed on the shit list. Now, Ozzy, you have since gone away and watched the film. Do you think you made the right call? You know what? I actually think we got it wrong. Oh! Um... <laughs> It was close. Like, I I think everything that was said for it being on the shit list was kind of true, but I don't think it was quite as bad as um, as it was made out. And I think really, I, I kind of enjoyed it. And I'm not a massive horror fan, so... <laughs> Yeah, I missed out. I think uh, well, I think you were unlucky there. I, I appreciate your honesty. I do feel I was unlucky as well, considering I was the only person out of the five who got their film placed on the shit list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, well, it, this won't put your mind at ease, to be honest, uh, to be honest Austin. Um, I hosted a poll on Twitter over the weekend. I asked our friends and followers to um, vote which list they think 
pet cemetery should be placed on. Overwhelmingly, 65% of them thought that it should be placed on the hit list. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well... They're right. I agree with them. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been. But, no oh well, what can you do? No, I, I'm, I'm going to try and be less bitter about That's it. Two years in a row, isn't it? No, no, it isn't. <laughs> uh, Suspiria wasn't my Halloween horror pick. It was just a, a, another film that I defended and it got placed on the shit list. I was going to originally say I'm going to be less bitter about it and not hold like a year long grudge like I did with Suspiria. <laughs> right, okay. But you know what? You've reignited the fire, my friend. So screw you. So, <laughs> Sorry. An- anyway, Sorry. Th- thanks for nothing, pal. Right, so before we go on to the bulk of the show, it's time for a little bit of news. Now, usually what happens here is I play a little biffy xylophone, but because we're at the end of Halloween Horror Month, we're at the start of a new month, we're going to try and class things up a little bit around here. So, without further hesitation, Austin, can you take it away? I can try. It's pretty close, I think. (laughs) Daily, go on. That's good. pretty much all I can remember of it, of that <laughs> shit theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Austin. A touch of class there. Yeah, so um, much better than um, Joel's monocle. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, know. I don't know. Anyway, so what we do is we go around in a circle and we talk about the most newsworthy topics of the week. So without further hesitation, number one... After we joked about Nick Cave's drunken idea of a sequel to Gladiator, it has now definitely been announced by Ridley Scott. Gladiator 2 is going to happen. Dave, you're a big, big fan of the original. What, what do you think? Uh, should this happen? Should, should it be left alone? What? Yeah, absolutely. Hands off. This is a terrible idea. Well, no, I, I, no I'll tell you what. I'll take that back. Billing it as a Gladiator 2 sequel is a terrible idea. I think if Ridley Scott wants to make another film set in ancient Rome fine that's okay that you know he, he did really well with the direct direction i thought the visuals look great um so if he wants to do another ancient rome film fine but don't make it a gladiator 2 kind of embargo it's, it just it seems like a recipe for disaster to me because it seemed to finish kind of well didn't it gladiator yeah every, it was, everyone was everyone dead, was dead. <laughs> i wouldn't say well <laughs> you know, you know, it was like it was quite a clean end of a film mm-hmm. yeah did he have, so he's is it going to be his kid, is it? This is going to be Lucius, uh, okay. who was Commodus's nephew, becomes emperor right at the end of the film. Ah, okay. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to follow him like an adult Lucius, I presume, on his own uh, tale of vengeance, which, you know, all well and good. Just don't bill it as a Gladiator sequel. But I think maybe they've done that deliberately to kind of stoke the fire, get the marketing up and running, you know, get people talking about it, get a bit of anticipation on the way. And, so, you know, if you think about Ridley Scott's sequels, that were classics like Alien. They you know, what, I did, they can get. What, what I did with that, it, it just shouldn't, it just shouldn't, shouldn't go near it. I wonder if Oliver Reed's going to be in this one. Probably. They've only still got the digital imprint. They could just put him in scenes. So, talking about sequels, John Krasinski has announced that he started brainstorming for A Quiet Place 2. Now, he said that he was really inspired for the first film by watching Jaws, but he's not going to follow in the footsteps of Jaws and similar films like Ridley Scott's Alien and have the same villain returning, but on a larger scale in the sequel. So he said he thinks it's a more expansive world that he can focus on and he might do something different. So what do you guys think, Joel? Did you did you like A Quiet Place? Um, I, don't, I don't really know, to be honest. Uh, it, you don't it, know if you liked it? No, I, I honestly don't, because, um, you know, I, I wasn't bored watching it, and I think I, I think the idea was really nice, but then, it, like, the more I thought about it, the more kind of flawed that I thought that it was. 
um you know just the fact that any type of noise they can they can hear i just think you know yeah i just think like there would have been other noises you know going on like birds whatever anything didn't they kill the birds i don't know i can't i can't remember i just i just think you know the more as i say the more i thought about it the more flawed it was but i thought the whole premise was great and i thought um it kind of it was well acted but you know, I, I didn't really feel that tense during the film. I didn't really feel scared either. Um, so it, 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 it'd be nice, like, to to maybe ramp that up a bit, I, I think. I think, you know, with Jaws, certainly, that's one of the films that he kind of referenced in... Um, in, in making uh, that one. In making that one, yeah. And, um, you know, there was definite tension there because you didn't really see... Uh, you know what was coming and you don't really see the shark for a lot of the film as well which i know uh, john krasinski tried to do but I, for me it just didn't work as much as i thought it was gonna okay um dave i mean are you optimistic about a sequel um I, you know i've not seen a quiet place oh my yeah. <laughs> sorry yeah i've not, I've not seen it i really should have i missed dave roston because i just assume you hadn't watched no, it I thought it was a good film um and it was just i thought it was really interesting how quiet it was in the like I really wasn't. <laughs> you know, I, like, I knew it was built as a quiet place, but I didn't click on it was going to be like next to no you, sound. You, you thought that it, you, like, it was just going to be the name of the film and not a description of the cinema. Yeah, basically. Well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the quiet man, the guy never shut up. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I, I was similar to you. To but, be honest, I, I didn't realise how yeah. quiet it was going to be. You like, couldn't like have popcorn. That would. Oh that yeah, would I, I think it, it, the know. testament to the film as well. The the audience was yeah. deathly silent for for all of it. Uh, but I, yeah, I think it might be interesting to look at different parts of the world. Uh, the, some of it was hinted at you know, through a radio, and but I, I would, I'd really like Emily Blunt to return because I think she's a fantastic actress, to be honest. So maybe it might not, if it's going to be a different part of the world, it might not include her. But you know, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens anyway. Um, so I don't think it would be the news really without talking a little bit about Star Wars and how bitter Joel is about uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Last Jedi. Uh, so there's news just come out today that Matt Smith is rumored to be playing a young Emperor Palpatine in the new film, Episodes Nine or whatever it is. Joel, how how will that work? Being that it's a sequel and not a prequel, and, and will it help? you to wash the horrible taste out of your mouth from the last jedi i don't think i'll ever get rid of that taste uh it'll always be there till i die i think but uh, i presume well the only way it can be is uh in some sort of some form of flashback sorry um i know jj abrams or disney have come out and said that they want episode nine to be uh, classed as like a course correction um <laughs> because of the the poor reception and the poor um Taken's overall from some of the last Star Wars, like Solo, I don't think that was was too well received. Um, and since then, they've kind of like a few of the uh, additional content that they had planned. Uh, so I am interested in Episode Nine because J.J. Abrams is back and Rian Johnson isn't anywhere near it. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure how Palpatine really fits into that and, and what, what the flashback will have to do with anything. Uh, but, you know, the more I thought about it, like in terms of a story, Palpatine might be like a, a really interesting one to have in terms of uh, like the origin stories and that type of thing. That might be something that, you know, I, I'd actually want to hear about and want to see. So uh, we'll see, we'll see. But, you know, bated breath, I think. Yeah, I think maybe if you're just a little bit less bitter about it, 
you know, all these years. Just <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> uh, okay, and uh, finally, um, there's been news come out that Mike Myers is working on a new Austin Powers film. Um, now, Austin Powers is quite a successful trilogy back in the late 90s, early noughties. Should it be left alone as a trilogy? Do we actually need another Austin Powers film? Uh, Joel, what do you think Austin Powers could bring to the table in 2018? Bearing in mind the thought of a powerful megalomaniac idiot threatening World War III was just a joke back in 1999 (laughs) and not actual reality. Austin Powers is one of them things, especially if you live in England, uh, it's on the TV all the time. One of the three is always on. And when you watch it, the the jokes are actually it'd be a good one to put on trial actually but the jokes are a little bit dated now like back then it was it was hilarious when it first came out and you know how many people has dressed have dressed up as austin powers for for like fancy dress and that type of thing the characters it, it you know is a bit of a hero so bringing a fourth one they'd have to update it a lot i feel in terms of the humor like the content the women in there especially um and hopefully they could do a little nod to uh to Vern troyer in there as well so what you know, I think it could work as long as they do all those things. I think just more of the same yeah. would just fall flat on its There's been loads of new spy films, hasn't there, since? Yeah. Like, since then, essentially. So, because mm. it used to spy be Spy Kids 1 and 2. Yeah, Spy Kids 1 and 2. Two of my favourite spy films, actually. <laughs> and, um, and Spy Kids 3, too. Let's not forget about that. <laughs> my favourite trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, so, no, it's been like The Bones, hasn't there, and all that stuff. Yeah, so maybe you what, could rob them. But I think the joke with Austin Powers was that he was stuck in the 60s. Is he still going to be stuck in the 60s, or will he have moved on to 2018, or will he have moved on to the 70s? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, what, 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 what's going to happen to him? But I mean, but he never did the seventies, did he? Isn't that the point? Well, exactly. This is him so living the seventies, but in two thousand eighteen. Where did he end in? At the end of three, did he just get left in the sixties? No, it was um, it was, it was a day, film. He yeah, was in modern day, and they were watching yeah. a big blockbuster film um, version of his life. Anyway, right. <laughs> Thank. Well, thanks. I'm really looking forward to it. Anyway, I think, be, I think it's just testament to how interesting it could be that we could. Uh, we, we can talk do. about it for this yeah. long. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Right, <laughs> so thank you very much for that. Um, so just before we tr- draw the news to a close, Alex isn't here today, but we're going to have film feels without him anyway. So hang on, guys. This is time for Gav's Film Feels. <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, so as it is godfather part three i thought maybe we could talk about our favorite trilogy now austin you don't even have to go because we already know you're the spy kids my favorite so uh, austin do you want to change your your opinion um yes i think i'd rather go for a more credible lord of the rings trilogy i think oh well done good one yeah and why why, why is that so important I mean, to you yeah, it's like nine hours of your life up quite easily you can uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's unless you watch the director's cuts i said the i said the best <laughs> not the longest <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah um okay, okay joel let me guess the original star wars um yeah but i'm also <laughs> gonna give a, a spe- that would definitely be up there um i don't think you two in fact i know you weren't there but um, i went to um the kind of primary school that the version of the secondary school that we all went to and one of my earliest memories there is um you know as kids at that age and especially the technology then we only had like you know 12 13 inch uh tv screens that were massive and like uh, about three or four hundred kids just packed into a hall watching uh, a new hope at christmas um you know it's like a treat for the kids we, we watched it then so probably be star wars but i'm also going to give a mention to to back to the future it's it's definitely a, a feel-good film of mine okay oh, yeah. and dave 
Uh, Godfather, of course. You know, every last one's a gem. It would have been good, except for the last. (laughs) (laughs) Failing that Toy Story. Oh, yeah. oh, what God. a great show that is. I think with Toy Story, they just got, like, got better, better and better and better. Yeah. And better. Toy Story the best. 3. Trilogy should have been done. For me, yeah. it's the best animated trilogy for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think for me, the original Die Hard trilogy. Oh, yeah, I thought Ooh. you said the, the original Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Those three were class. Um, or or uh, Spider-Man. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films. Um I mean, I, I seem to remember that falling flat towards the end. Just like Godfather, pal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Spider Man 3, the one with Venom in. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Ozzy, Ozzy. Uh, so thank you very much Sorry, for the news. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got to pick my violin back up. This is not quite as uh, convenient as the toilet. It's convenient as the toilet's out of the phone, isn't it? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You could have got away with with that, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you very much for that, Austin. So, on to the bulk of the show now. Uh, This week's film, as mentioned before, is Godfather Part 3, and it has been picked out of the hat at random, as have all of our roles. So, in the role of defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list is Captain Dave. Hello, Dave. In the role of prosecution and trying to condemn this film to the shit list is Ozzy. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. And just like the real court advocates, Dave and Ozzy are making best case for their role. Uh, this may or may not be their real opinion, so stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their real thoughts in the role of character witness and lending their genuine opinion to each argument to try and throw a little bit of extra weight behind them is myself, which means this week Joel has the most important role as he will be playing the judge. He must decide which list the film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. Now, there's very little explosions in Godfather 3, so it could go on either list because Joel's judging. But <laughs> since I am the judge, um, when addressing me, can you please refer to me as Godfather today? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Godfather. Uh, you never know, Dave, to be honest, with all the explosions going on behind us with the fireworks, Joel <laughs> might subconsciously put them into your argument. Um, so before we get started, I think we should give the listeners a better idea as to what the film is about and spin the wheel of impressions. Okay, so this week it's landed on Joel. (laughs) So here what we do is we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. So who should it be, guys? (laughs) I want to say Al Pacino. It's got to be... Joel, do you reckon you can do an Al Pacino? Um, not really, to be fair. It's just going to come across as a, you know, an angry American Italian man, but... Uh, that's Al Pacino. <laughs> I think I've got it. Is it, is it starting with the aging patriarch? That's the one I've got. Go on then. The aging patriarch of an organized crime dynasty <laughs> transfers control of his clandestine empire to his reluctant son. <laughs> he says Al Pacino not Ray Winston <laughs> okay <laughs> sorry so, we lost Gavin I think we lost Gavin it's just too funny okay so uh, so thank you very much for that Joel without further hesitation uh, Dave no oh yeah hang on Joel yeah Godfather kick off proceedings please at least sleeping with the fishes soon Gav if you <laughs> okay um, I'm a, pff, who wants to go first uh, I don't mind going first Dave let Dave do the talking <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll abstain from any, any impressions 
Okay, so Godfather Part 3. Now... Like Gav hinted at before, this film is much maligned. You will often hear it parodied. I think The Simpsons did one where it was like, oh, this is worse than Godfather 3. Whoa, 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 let's not say anything we can't take back. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. But you will often hear it parodied. You'll often hear jokes made about it uh, at its expense. But I'm here to tell you, this film is not that bad. This is actually quite a good film, genuinely. <laughs> and the thing is about this film, its biggest crime, its biggest sin was simply not being as good as the first two films, and it's not. It really is not as good as Godfather 1 or Godfather Part 2. But it's, that was its real crime, really. To be honest with you, the anticipation and the expectation when people heard that Francis Ford Coppola would be doing a sequel like 16 years on from Godfather Part 2 really got expectations up, and I think people built it up too much in their heads. They had an idea of how this story would play out, and unfortunately this wasn't it. It was never going to be, though. And although it's not as good as its predecessors, Bear in mind that Godfather 1 and Godfather 2 are two of the most acclaimed films of all time. Not just gangster films, but the most acclaimed films of all time. It's got a very big shadow that it is living in. And although the film is pretty good on its own merit, and it's a decent film, it is, of course, overshadowed by these two gargantuan behemoths of films, which often make it to many critics' top 100 list, if not top 10s, top 20s. So, I'm here to tell you that Godfather 3 was actually not a bad job. It's actually a really good film. It stands alone in terms of being a gangster film, or you can look at it as saying it, it really fits in well with the theme of the trilogy. Some people may say, this is a film that didn't need to be made. We were happy with where Godfather 2 left off. It didn't need to be made. The whole theme of The Godfather, one of the major themes that runs through it, is the theme of cyclical violence, that violence begets more violence and things like that. And basically, at the end of Godfather Part 2, Michael Corleone is so steeped in blood that he needs to have this cyclical... It needs, it needs to come round full circle. There must be a cycle to this. The film trilogy was incomplete. People say, oh, we didn't need Godfather 3. You did. For the completeness of Michael's character, for the completeness of the film, this was necessary. And maybe it wasn't quite what people were expecting. It wasn't quite what they had built up in their own heads. But like I said, find me a director who can deliver every, uh, to everyone what they want. And, you know, he's, he's a better man than me and a better man than Francis Ford Coppola. He tried his best. <laughs> but visually, this film is stunning. The direction from Francis Ford Coppola is superb. He films in Sicily, he films in Rome, he films in New York, and he films these surroundings with such respect and such love, as he did in the previous films, and he makes this film visually sensational. Uh, there's plenty of callbacks to the original films, like I said, um, whether it be the dialogue or the inclusion of characters, dialogue such as uh, Michael to Vincent and Garcia's character, never let anyone know what you're thinking. Now, this is a, a direct callback to Marlon Brando saying to James Kahn, never let anyone outside of the family know what you're thinking. It's a real it's a real case to be made to say that, you know, fans of the original trilogy will like this. Sorry, fans of the original two films will really enjoy this. There are a lot of callbacks. Uh, the inclusion of Al Martino, who played Johnny Fontaine, he was the uh, the singer, wanted to become an actor, a bit of a Sinatra-esque character in Godfather 1. He's back. Small little role at the celebration at the start of Godfather 3. Nice little callback for the fans. Uh, Don Tomasino, who has been a character in the previous two films, minor character, I will admit, you know, if you, don't, if you haven't seen the previous two, you're not really going to know who this guy is or why you should care. But fans will think, oh, Don Tomasino's back, and you get to see the end of his cycle. He unfortunately dies during this film. But you get to see these characters. Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler. There's <laughs> going to be a few of those. Uh, it's, it just makes for great continuity markers. 
Uh, this and the previous film, The Return of Lucy Mancini as well, uh, which lets Andy Garcia into the fold. Uh, and the parallels between, the, the, let's say, the murder of Joey Zaza and that of Don Fanucci in Godfather Part 2. Uh, and the drawing, which Anthony leaves for Michael on his pillow in Godfather Part 2, that is brought up again in this. It references the previous films. Fans of the original two will not be disappointed by this. It was the expectation of Godfather 3, which did more damage to it than anything critics could have done. Okay, Austin, your go. So Dave um, quite rightly says that this pales into insignificance compared to um, Godfather Part 1 and 2, which are truly great films. This one, however, it just, I mean, it's just lacking completely. It just got lots of, I mean, it suffers from these unintentional, you know, parodies itself, essentially. It's like, it's cringeworthy. It's very 80s-ish. Was it done in, was it 70, set in 79? Uh, it was it? set. I've got it. Yeah, set in seventy nine. You're right, but it just feels like like a really crap eighties action film. Um, right from there, you know, Dave's completely right. It's parodied by so many popular culture things like The Simpsons, um, and and for good reason. It's it just is rubbish compared to the other two. And I, and I get what Dave's saying is that part of its problem is that it's um, you, you know it, it's trying to follow in the footsteps of those things, but it just uses lots of cheap tricks. It's um, it feels of its time. It feels like the action films, like a Schwarzenegger film of the time. You know, there's a big helicopter scene, um, like completely out of character for the rest of the, you know, for the other two films. And it just like wanton violence, just shooting up a hotel um, with this machine gun from a helicopter. It's just completely nonsensical. Um, and and it's just loads of scenes like that where it is, it's just violence for the sake of it. And the part of the problem is that it's just not as clever as one and two. And I think it's because it was trying to be, um, what other, did that other gangster film came out then and um, Goodfellas had been out just recently. So um, it kind of feels like it was trying to live up to that scene. You know, everybody knew what the mafia was about. So now then like that reality of it was, um, was sort of known. It had been dealt with in other really good gangster films. So this one just doesn't, doesn't capture that in any way. And um, Dave was talking about that fans of the original two would, um, would enjoy this because of like the callbacks and the references, but that's what it's filled with. Lots of sort of boring references to the other two films. It's like a cheap trick. Think of like in this, in these new star Wars trilogies, think like last Jedi, when they start bringing up, you know, you see the millennium Falcon, you see all, all this crap for no reason, just to get original fans on. So can people can like cheer up. So it's just cheap continuity markers sort of in, uh, in, in, in these uh, quotes, you know, that's all they are. They're just cheap tricks to try and get fans back on board to go, oh, that was clever, wasn't it? They remember that from one and two. And then you sort of, you get the nostalgia from those previously very good films. This one just uh, just doesn't do that. You know, the, the film's got like a, feels dissonant and confused, to be perfectly honest. It's, um, you know, one and two were humble and it's like a, uh, like a human story. It was credible. It was meaningful, you know, um, uh, you know, his his world sort of crumbles around him, you know, and it just um, I don't know, like you know, it sort of disappeared. This this thing, though, it, it, it could have been really good because it, you know, it it's quite an interesting take. You know, he's trying to do international politics essentially, rather than the um the small town uh, like mafia style that was going on in one and two. This is now on a, a grand scale, and um, it just seems I don't know, it just seems really unrelatable and a bit a bit silly, you know, with this Vatican conspiracies and stuff. Like, it's just on too, too grand a scale and it just seems quite distracting. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the heli- go back to the helicopter scene. Sorry, I made a lot of notes here and um, 
but I didn't really put them in a, in a very cognitive order, much like the film, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> um, oh, it's a cheap shot. That's a cheap shot. <laughs> but you know, like that helicopter scene, right, is what, um, it just made me, f- that, that ruined the film for me totally. It's like, what was the, the point in this? It's like, uh, so Capolo, 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 Capolo. Capola. Capola. <laughs> Marco Capola. <laughs> but you know, he's like, he's a really good, really good filmmaker and you know that from one and two, but just in this, that just seems really, just seems just really basic compared to like a really 80s, just action film. We we watched, um, <laughs> what was that what we watched yesterday? Tango, Tango, and, Tango Cash. and Cash. And it was along those lines. It was just like mindless <laughs> violence. Like just, just, uh, just so it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be an episode if you didn't compare a film to some <laughs> random, just unrelated <laughs> Hocus Pocus to Lolita. I think it's still my favorite. But you know, it's um, like, it's, it's, I mean, yes, it's a sequel. And, and the, the general, I'll finish on this is that, you know, yes, sequels, the rule is you get bigger, you get better. And in this, he's done that. He's gone bigger, but not gone better. He's just kept going bigger, no matter what it does to the to the, like the franchise's credibility. All right, Gav. I know you like to go bigger and better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, one thing. Oh, Dave, you want a quick rebuttal? Uh, just a quick rebuttal, if I may, about the helicopter massacre scene. I think that actually serves a really good purpose. Um, the mafia has evolved in the 20 years since the end of Godfather Part 2. It's gone from the very subtle uh, businessman having to keep under the radar, getting called in front of Senate inquiries, to the brash arrogance of men like Joey Zaza. You know, very much a John Gotti kind of character who is very open about his criminal affiliations. He's uh, a called Best Dressed Gangster in, in the film <laughs> at one point. He won a, a magazine poll. And this is his style of running his criminal empire brash arrogance out there in the open helicopter massacres it really shows a different kind of evolution of a criminal and that's why michael needs vincent michael can't deal with it he's gotten too old to deal with this new style of mafia it does serve a purpose the helicopter massacre okay um so gav do you feel like the reputation this film's got do you feel that it's because the first two films were so good (laughs) well yeah it's always going to be difficult to create a third film when the first two films are so amazing. Just look at Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I, I'm going to pretty much agree with both of them by disagreeing with their points. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> essentially, uh, Dave, before when he said it, it's nice to have so many callbacks and reminders uh, about the first two films in this film, that's one of the things I really didn't like about it. I mean, I think it needed to set itself aside from one and two because it was always going to as Austin says, paling into significance. Uh, I, I think constantly you're just reminded about how better those first two films were by all these constant reminders. I think it needed to be set uh, set up as its own film. So I would disagree with what Austin said about the helicopter scene because I think that that was one of the f- few instances in this film where Coppola went, okay, yeah, let's do something different. Let's not just make godfather one and godfather two again let's do something fresh and you know i i think that that's what that was um i i thought the story was good as well i it was it wasn't brilliant it wasn't like kind of as captivating as the first two but i thought it was it was decent but yeah um what what would you say you know when you think of the godfather there's this kind of certain memorable moments especially in the first one you know like the horse's head uh don corleone obviously getting gunned down as well when I was thinking about the third one, the only real thing that I could remember was the helicopter scene. Do you think there are any kind of memorable moments in this film that if you haven't seen for a while, you think, oh yeah, that happened in Godfather 3? Because to be honest, I can't remember 
anything about it. I watched Godfather 3 for the first time, probably like when I was about 12 maybe, and then I watched Stand. it <laughs> I watched it again. He was really busy watching films when he was 12. It was amazing. Honestly, like, like those formative years. <laughs> in between Halloween and The Exorcist, you, you sandwiched it in between then when you were 12. Obviously, I got through all the Halloweens first before I moved on to The Godfathers, get the good stuff out the way with first. Um, so... Yeah, so and then when I went back to watch it years later, I'm talking about like kind of 15, 17 years later, I, I couldn't remember anything apart from the helicopter scene and the final scene, well, the, the penultimate scene with um, Sophia Coppola's death. <laughs> uh, and I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I hate to be a knob, but yeah, I, I think that pretty much still, <laughs> they're, they're probably the only two scenes that I would remember if I, if I don't watch it again for another 15 years. And just one final thing. Um, do you think the film does try to do things too big with the whole plot with the Vatican? You know, I, I think- no, I, as I said before, I think the story is actually decent. You know, it's it's uh, Michael's trying to go away from the crime side of things. He's trying to legitimize his business. He's, he's passed over the reins to somebody else. He's now into legitimate, um, you know, businesses. And I think the whole thing about him questioning himself and his past deeds whilst trying to legitimize the business and you know like kind of getting the deal with the vatican as well i think that's a really interesting angle on it because in the first film he was kind of he had a bit of innocence about him in the second film he was more ruthless and in the first in third film it's kind of like he's gone full cycle he's back to sort of trying to remember that innocent former self and trying to kind of forget about what happened in between when we're first introduced to him in the first film and now so yeah, I, I thought it was it was kind of good character arc for him. Yeah. Okay, Ozzy, do you want to make point two? So yeah, so we're doing uh, casting characters. Um, I think that's what we agreed we'd do. Um, and I feel really bad just jumping straight in, but Sofia Cabala um, is awful in this, um, particularly um, the scenes with her and Al Pacino. <laughs> say, particularly the scenes <laughs> with her in. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the scenes really that bad. she's not in, you yeah, still yeah. remember it. <laughs> well, that's it. You're reeling over how bad she was in the previous scene that you forget what happens in the next scene. But I mean, I, I'm part, I was going to say part of it isn't her fault, but I think it is. I think the character's pretty well written and, and you know, it's quite a good take. She's clearly a front for, um, for the business. You know, she's the part of the... Le- legitimate business and um sorry we just got a, a, a cat coming to disrespect our godfather and take his sweets straight out of his <laughs> what hand. did i ever do to you <laughs> to show me such disrespect <laughs> but yeah and uh you know i think it's it's kind of a shame um and, and i was reading up on on this and people some people were saying you know it could have been so much better if um apparently winona rider uh, had turned down the role and um I feel like maybe maybe she couldn't have, have saved it either, and she's definitely one of my favourite of all the act, all actors ever, uh, ever since Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, she's just really wooden. There's nothing believable. She delivers her lines sort of almost like she's just reading them off a teleprompter or something. It's just it's really really poor. Um, and then and then you get to sort of like Al Pacino as well, and I just feel like he wasn't really. He's not really in it on this. He doesn't even... He's, it's not the same as 1 and 2. He's got a totally different feel to the way he's playing it. There's a little... Um, I, I, I can't remember where about in the film it is now, but it's probably about 40-ish minutes in. And he just... It just sort of falls into um, like a Scarface-type role. It's totally not... Um, he's not doing Corleone at all. He's just... It's just like he's in a completely different gangster 
film. He's just, it, fe- it feels like an afterthought of a film. It feels like, oh, you know what? We, we should get a bit of money out of this, uh, this great duo that we've just had. Let's try and just close it off and get a bit of cash. And everyone's just come on board. Oh yeah, I could do with a payday. And it, it totally just doesn't feel like a massively good film uh, from any of the actors. Um, but Sofia Coppola really does let the film down. Okay, that's pretty damning on Sophia Capella, Dave. What's your thoughts on the situation? Uh, I, I expected this, to be honest with you. One of people's main bugbears about this film is the performance of Sophia Coppola. They call it, um, I think, one of the worst examples of nepotism in Hollywood history. But I have to say, that is unfair. That is really unfair. Her performance in this is not particularly good. No denying it. Um, but it wasn't really nepotism that that got her the role. As Austin said, Winona Ryder actually was given the role. She didn't turn it down. She actually got the role but had to pull out weeks before production started due to exhaustion. And last minute they had to draft someone in and Francis Ford Coppola got his daughter to do it. That was really what it was. Yeah, she got a bit of a leg up for him, but it's not the nepotistic scenario that it's played out to be. It really was just a last minute, make the best of a bad situation before the cameras start rolling sort of situation. And I think, it, yeah, she's not great in this, I will admit, but I don't she's think her a, character is big enough. She's a long way from <laughs> not great. <laughs> but I, I don't think her character is big enough for it to really impact the film too dreadfully. It's... it's it's, it's, I let you talk. I let you talk. <laughs> I feel like you're leading him down down a bit of a straight path. A dark, dark alley. <laughs> a dark, dark alley. <laughs> yeah, you know, she's... To his van she's with I don't know. You may think so. You may, may think okay, so, but I'm not the only person who thinks this. Uh, Roger Ebert. Oh, him again. Him again. Him again. <laughs> One of the most renowned film critics of all time. Him again. Uh, he actually gave this the film in general a higher rating than he gave Godfather Part Two. interestingly enough. He has since regraded. <laughs> Bear that in mind, Joel, that he's regraded. Yeah, where he put it. <laughs> but he did give this three three and a half stars out of four when it first came out. Uh, Godfather Part Two got much lower, so he did regrade that. I think there was an outcry. But he said, and I think he makes an excellent point here. He says there is no way to predict what kind of performance Francis Ford Coppola might have obtained from Winona Ryder, the experienced and talented young actress who was originally set to play this role. But I think Sophia Coppola brings a quality of her own to Mary Corleone, a certain upfront vulnerability and simplicity that I think are appropriate and right for the role. And you know what? I'd never even. Thought thought about it like that but he's got a point yes her acting is not particularly good uh there's a reason why well th- th- she got absolutely slated the poor girl by critics and she never really acted again she's gone behind the camera maybe everything happens for a reason but i think yeah th- although her acting isn't great i think he makes an interesting point there is a kind of appropriateness that kind of makes it work Similar with Brad Pitt in Interview with the Vampire. Maybe she just about gets away with it. I'm not sure. But th- th- I'll leave that up to hang you guys. Hang on, hang on. Right. I, I've stayed silent on all of this. Did we agree that Brad Pitt just about got away with it in Interview with I the Vampire? Said he did. I think, and I, I, stand think we, by I think we, we, us three agreed. Did you? Uh, I don't know. Fucking okay, hell. <laughs> But Dave, carry on. Thank you. But with regards to the other characters... I feel like you've lost all credibility. (laughs) (laughs) With regards to the other characters, I think Al Pacino, yeah, he, similar to the evolution of the mafiosi, he has evolved as an actor better or for worse you know i think after <laughs> after scarface he did stop becoming he, he was one of the most charismatic uh, understated actors in hollywood and he was fantastic and he just became kind of shouty and scene steely ever since scarface and he started blowing up a staircase and <laughs> you can still see the remnants of that here it's not as bad as it is in some of his other films like scent of a woman or anything he's done really since the turn of millennium 
but he is he's still little elements of that he has evolved as an actor he has changed but i think this kind of gruff kind of world weary kind of version of michael corleone again it kind of works in this scenario because he is supposed to be a man who's thinking about his own mortality he is wearied by the world he's created around him and that's why he's looking for redemption that's why he's looking to redeem the irredeemable you know michael corleone is one of cinema's greatest villains and he's getting a shot here that not many cinematic villains get he's got a shot of redemption we get to hear his redemption story and ultimately it doesn't play out you know the open casket scene by at the funeral of don tomasino where he says i swear on the lives of my children there will be no more violence you know and unfortunately he that's a vow he shouldn't have made it was kind of hubristic in the end but michael corleone i think he's although he's evolved he brings an incredible gravitas to this role this is the role he created and he knows how to carry it on people say oh it was like uh, it was like he was playing michael corleone instead of being michael corleone. i don't understand that i really don't it's, it's just kind of a, a bullshit criticism to me he, he created this role he created michael corleone if this is the direction he thinks the character should have gone down this is the direction the character should have gone down and one of the th- great things about all the godfather films is the ensemble cast we've talked about some of the main ones there um, but the ensemble is created around this it's fantastic now you're missing some of the heavyweights from the previous film it is such a shame that Robert Duval did not come back for this one. That was, he did turn that down due to money issues with the studio. And you got George Hamilton in, who is all right. He just does his job, basically. He's nothing fantastic. But there are some great performances. Uh, I think Eli Wallach as Don Altobello is a fantastic idea for him. He's kind of like kindly, gen- gentle old man, you know, who's got a real sinister side to him. You know, he's very persuasive, very gentle, but... He's one of the darker villains of the whole piece. I think Ray Fallone, who plays Cardinal Lamberta, who would eventually become the Pope, Italian actor, never really did much in Hollywood. He gives a fantastic performance. That scene where he takes Michael's confession is fantastic. And it's him that makes it. It's not Michael, even though he's got the most emotional role there. It's Ray Fallone and his performance of this Cardinal, this genuinely decent human being, it would seem, who gets in over his head with, with the Mafia. It's just it's a fantastically measured performance from him. I think Donald Donnelly, who plays uh, the Archbishop Gilday, who is the one who brings Michael into the fold with the Vatican Bank, I think he does an excellent job. He was an Irish stage actor. Again, didn't really do much in the way of film, but I think he gives a sensational performance here. And I think Andy Garcia deserves a shout-out because he actually gives... I think I think probably the best performance in the film. He really goes hell for leather to kind of li- live in the shadow of James Caan, who's supposed to be his father. And he brings that kind of violent temperament that Sonny had from Godfather 1 and he makes it his own he puts his own spin on it but it's still there you do see flashes of James Caan when you're looking at Andy Garcia he he monitored his performance he looked at it and he looked at ways of making it his own making it his own style and he did and it works you do see flashes of Sonny in Vincent and I think it's superb it really does work and Diane Keaton as well also want to say this is probably the best written K has been in any of the Godfather films. You finally get a chance to see inside her head and let know why does she do what she does. She was lacking uh, explanation of her, mo- her motivations in the previous films. Now you finally know what it was she was thinking, why it was she cut Michael out of her life. And you know what? And Diane Keaton plays that role very well, I have to say. And there's some other good ensemble pieces. I won't ramble on about them, but I have to say, cast and performances, and like Austin said, the characters are well written, for the most part, are good. Okay, Austin. So I, I'm I'm not going to massively disagree with what Dave said there. But what I will say is that it's the supporting cast. They outweigh the key players. And that's what is kind of upsetting. Their good performance makes the main performances seem all the worse for it. And it's a bit distracting. Don't get me wrong, though. Those guys are really good. <laughs> but it's just those three main characters. It's just ruined because of the, you know, he's, he's not Corleone anymore. He's just playing Scarface halfway through the film onwards. Okay, Gav, what do you think? 
Uh, I, I'm going to agree with Austin, obviously, about Sofia Coppola. And uh, I, 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 I'm going to disagree with Dave as well. I do think that they probably could have found somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, like, I, I, don't, I, I do agree that it probably wasn't nepotism in the first place. And obviously, Renona Ryder was going to step up. But I do think that with that short amount of time to, before they commenced filming, I think they could probably could have found somebody else. Yeah, she is awful in it. Um, I, but, but, you know, she's not an actress and this was her first proper job. She was thrown in at the deep end. And I think all the critics and that's pointed that it's a bit unfair to be honest because you know it was a really really big role for her and with her first actual job you know with no acting experience beforehand it was always going to be tough but she it just makes every scene that she's in unbearable to watch i'm sorry dave uh i, I also think as well that al pacino isn't up to the standards that we've seen previously in the first two Godfather films. I do think that he gives an all right performance. In some bits, it's really good, but in other bits, it's quite tired. And I know the character's supposed to be tired, but it's almost like, for me, he was just phoning a bit of it in. I think a lot of this felt a little bit like a cash grab, but I will agree massively with Dave and say that a lot of the support and cast, Ray Falone, Eli Wallach especially, are absolutely fantastic. And Andy Garcia, every scene that he's in, is absolutely incredible. He does a tremendous job in this. I think this is the best Albert, um, Andy Garcia film that there's ever been. But then again, I can't think of many others. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that bit in Passengers right at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, so on the whole, really good performances. Maybe, maybe you know, not such a good performance from Al Pacino and a really bad one from Sofia Coppola. Okay, well, uh, I think that'll do it for now. Shall we do some some closing arguments? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. shall I go first? Uh, uh, so essentially, Godfather 1, Godfather 2, right, they are like crowning glories of uh, of Hollywood for me. <laughs> they were just amazing, you know, alongside such greats as 2001 Space Odyssey um, and The Deer Hunter. You know, great. Are you just going to list films? <laughs> I'm going to list the great films. He's typing in great slowly. He gets down the list until we get to things like, um, like Last Jedi. This is part of your minute, by the way. <laughs> get to Last Jedi, and then that's probably the same sort of barrel as well. The Godfather Part 3 is well above Last Jedi. <laughs> but honestly, so Godfather Part 3 is massively inferior. It, it lacks the subtlety of the first two. It's, um, it, 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 it just feels like, like a machine generated piece of like entertainment you know it's it's bigger for no real reasons like i said before it just lacks the credibility the first two have got it's a bit like um like a made for tv special you know like oh let's get everyone back 20 years later and see how they are like a like a friend's special or something like that and um it was sold as like the finale of the of the film from these two classics and it deserves every bit of the loathing it inspires <laughs> I didn't right. get quite the flourish I thought I had in my head. But, yeah, uh, no, because you spent half of it going on about just, different films. Yeah. <laughs> and comparing The Godfather to Friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, Dave, I presume, I presume you're, you're going to uh, hit the back one, the one flourish. The one with the horse's head. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the helicopter scene. Okay, we ready? Yep. Okay, this film is actually an excellent reproduction of the of the Godfather films. It does not deserve the legacy that has been tainted with. It's just not as good as the previous two films. That is its major crime. The fictionalized accounts of the murders of John Paul I and the real-life murder of Roberto Calvi are depicted here perfectly, as well as the papal banking scandal. It's an excellent re- retelling of these stories. It opened the generally positive reviews. It got seven Oscar nominations. It received mostly positive criticism. It was a huge box office success. This film does not 
deserve to go on the shit list. Its loyalty to the Godfather universe is laudable, <laughs> and if you allow yourself to be immersed in it once more, it is a bittersweet tale of failed redemption. Just when you thought you were out, this film will pull you back in. <laughs> Good flourish. Flourish there. Good flourish if, if not full of lies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gav, do you want to hit us with your quiz? Okay, right. So um, this quiz, I haven't g- uh, given a name for, so let's just call it... Um, oh, I, well, so basically, so for me, why I think a really interesting part of Godfather is, is that every time an orange appears, it signifies danger <laughs> <laughs> it does it's right, it's right. <laughs> so in all three films every time an orange appears you know some some shit's gonna hit the fan some orange peel's gonna hit the fan um so this is because i like to call fruit loops um <laughs> so essentially i'm gonna ask you all some questions about fruit right no conferring you've all got four questions each starting with dave number one what does Derek Smalls use to make himself appear well endowed in This Is Spinal Tap? Um, <laughs> it's, is that the metal detector scene? Yep. It's a cucumber wrapped in tinfoil. There we go, yeah, <laughs> cucumber. Okay. Uh, Joel, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indy is nearly poisoned by what? Um, Dave's nodding along. I don't know, to be honest. Biting his I tongue. Can't, I can't remember. Dave, can you give the answer, but in the impression? Bad dates. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ozzy, right, you've got easier questions here because That's you've only time. seen about three and a half films. I'm good with the fruits. Okay, what could Castor Troy eat for hours? <laughs> a peach. <laughs> well done, mate, well I done. I could eat a peach for hours. <laughs> okay, Dave, question number two for you. What type of pie is used for the pie-eating competition in Stand By Me? Oh, no. Um, okay, so it's a fruit. It's got to be the cherry or blueberry, hasn't it? Which one? Blueberry. Well done, Dave. Oh, blueberry. <laughs> okay, Joel, question number two for you. In Beverly Hills Cop, what does Axel Foley shove into a tailpipe to prevent a car from following him? No, I know. Well, well done, mate. <laughs> Austin, what colour is a banana? <laughs> um, okay. how, how old is the banana? Uh, it's it's, well, it's very, very brand new. No, okay, okay, so question Green. number two. What is the name of the villain in Iron Man 3? Oh, um, oh! I see where you're going with this. <laughs> um, Pass. Ultron. No, D- Dave. <laughs> the Mandarin. Yeah, I was going to ask. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I was going to ask Joel the, yeah, what, what the answer was, but uh, Joel didn't. <laughs> Joel would definitely Mandarin, get it. Yeah. We went to go and see Iron Man three on Joel's birthday for <laughs> Joel's birthday, and Joel didn't pitch up. <laughs> Okay, um, so Austin, I mean, so uh, Dave, question number three: What did Baby carry in Dirty Dancing? What, at any given time? Or? Yeah, yeah, come on, it's a very famous quote. What did Baby carry? I carried a oh watermelon. Yeah, well done. Okay, Didn't put it in the corner. <laughs> Joel, put the question number three: What type of pie does Jim stuck his <laughs> Jim stick his junk into <laughs> in American Pie? Uh, apple pie. A well done, yeah. Apple pie. Warm apple pie. Green tank pie. Warm apple pie. <laughs> okay, uh, Aussie, number three. What does Violet Beauregard turn into in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate uh, Factory? Um, isn't that a blueberry as well? Yeah, big blueberry. Well done. Dave, what mm-hmm. song do the Maitlands possess the Dietz family to sing in Beetlejuice? Uh, it's um, Banana Boat Song by Harry Belafonte. Well done. <laughs> 
Joel, <laughs> what is the character name of the guitarist from the prom scene in Back to the Future? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Five, um, four... Apple, Two. <laughs> apple face. <laughs> well done, Marty McAppleface. <laughs> now it's uh, so you know, yeah. Hey, Chuck, it's me, your cousin Marvin, Marvin Berry. <laughs> okay, uh, and Austin finally in Despicable Me. What is the favourite fruit of the Minions? Oh, um, I forgot. Oh, for fuck's sake. That's- Banana as well. Banana. Yeah, banana. Banana. Okay, right. Uh, Dave, first place. Joel, second. Austin, third. How the fuck did I get this? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get... because I got easier questions. Yeah. I got them all right. No, you didn't. You only got peach. <laughs> and you didn't even get bananas. <laughs> you got one out of four. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, that's it. Off. That's it. Joel. All right. Well... <laughs> I wish, to be honest, that I could, uh, you know, judge the shit films like Suicide Squad and just have an easy day of it. But I think, I think both of you did. You got a shit film, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think both of you uh, did, did a very, very good job. Um, you know, with your with your retrospective part. But you know, some of the stuff that that Dave said that I did like was just things that I hadn't thought of before. Kind of that they needed to to finish the story. If you think of. Um, kind of gangster films, they never really have a, a happy ending. He never really kind of gets to, uh, you know, sit there and enjoy all his wealth and that type of thing. So I think Godfather Three, from that perspective, possibly did did need to be made. Um, what Austin said as well is is some of the things that I remember, um, some of the acting in, in particular, Al Pacino, and obviously Sophia uh, Capello. I just remember that scene when she gets shot. I mean, fuck me, I could, you know, it was just what, it's one of the worst death scenes I think I've ever seen. Um, and I think, I'm surprised he didn't touch on it, but I, I just remember the, the scene at the end, um, you know, when, when Al Pacino sat in his chair um, <laughs> and he kind of, he, you're like, oh, is he dead? And then he drops his, he drops his hand and you're like, oh. oh he, he drops an orange. Yeah, he drops an orange <laughs> and you're like, oh, 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 I think he is dead. And then he just falls off the chair and it's like, no, he's, he definitely is dead now. Kind of, it kind of felt like they were kind of making sure that. It's a bit like the Luke Skywalker scene, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you're making me angry, Austin. When... <laughs> Joel, uh, Joel reminds you, you're supposed to be basing it on the arguments and not your memories of a bad death scene. <laughs> uh, well, it all relates to to the arguments. So, because um, I brought you, up, <laughs> I brought up the Last Jedi, so oh, they like, would yeah, think okay, about yeah, that okay. horrible death scene. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So, so, buzzing. so to to get back to it, rather than this bunch of bell ends, um, <laughs> you know, I thought I thought that that both arguments were were very very well rounded, but I think I just thought that what kind of swung it for me was overall the point that you know it's a sequel that needed to be made, whether it was outstanding or not, is kind of up for debate, and I think a lot of the kind of criticism. It's aimed at the film is because the first two are so good and although I don't really remember big parts of the film, I think I am going to put it on the hit list. So retrospectively, does that mean Spider-Man 3 is going to be on the hit list as well? <laughs> yeah, well, for me, probably, mate, yeah. <laughs> you know what? You, you are, you are balanced, to be honest. <laughs> right, okay, so honest opinions here... Dave, I can guess. 
I actually stand by most of what I said. It really does not deserve the reputation it's got. It's not that bad. It's it's a solid film on its on its own merit and in regards to the, of being a part of a trilogy. Um, my thoughts on Sofia Coppola. I won't read them out loud. Gav, <laughs> those are my notes. <laughs> Two words, and they're not complimentary. Yeah, I, she was irredeemable in this. I feel so sorry for her. She got slated, but she was awful. Uh, most of the performances I do think are all right. Al Pacino's not that bad. Um, I think most performances carry it, and it's a good plot. It's intricate. I stand by most of what I said. I think it's on the right list. Ozzy, genuine opinion? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good film. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm yet to really find a film that Austin really dislikes. Yeah. <laughs> Most film he really, really enjoys, even if they're terrible. He and switched you've been bullshitting me that they're terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Austin really enjoys them, so I think Austin's just a happy guy, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, Austin actually got the wrong end of the stick and he thought that he was supposed to be defending this film. So he wrote a defense for it and it was only, how long have you had to write your notes now? Uh, since the last episode, that was it. Yeah, that okay, was when yeah. we, because the start of the last episode is actually me realizing that oh, yeah. it was the wrong one. Because Austin had already written up an argument for how great it was. Yeah. So then he had to go and watch it again to try and pick out the bad points. I was surprised when I opened the door to you that day and you were like, I watched Godfather 3, it's really good. I, was like, I wasn't expecting this from my opponent. Okay. Okay, so higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Pet Cemetery. It's got to be higher. If it's lower, I will be very shocked. It must be higher. It must be. Austin, higher or lower? Uh, definitely higher. Okay, so Pet Cemetery scored 6.6 on IMDb. That's quite high, really. Right, Godfather is, well done, it's higher, 7.6, a whole point. Wow. But only a point, though. Uh, so, and before we adjourn this case, it's time for a little caption contest. So what I do here is I take a screenshot of the film and I put it on Twitter and ask our friends and followers to provide a caption with the winner winning a frog-shaped chocolatey treat. And... This week, I've taken a screenshot of Al Pacino as Michael Corleone sat in a chair holding his head in his hands as if to say, oh, okay, so you guys have just got to pick out your favorite one here. (laughs) Say what? (laughs) Okay, so number one, in the style of Sophia Coppola, i.e. emotionless, oh no, dad, why do you look so sad? Has my acting disappointed you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number two, uh, sorry, there's going to be a lot of Al Pacino impressions here. I'm sorry, guys. Number two, he just had to go and cast his own daughter, didn't he? <laughs> uh, number three, why did I choose the milk chocolate Freddo over the white one? <laughs> number four, maybe I should have... <laughs> starting to sound a bit like the cookie monster, mate. <laughs> Maybe I should have eaten cookies. <laughs> Maybe I should have taken the cannoli after all. Number five, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in to do a subpar sequel. <laughs> Number six, damn indigestion. No more carbs for me. I'm sorry, Tommy, but we gotta quit with all this fucking pasta. <laughs> Number seven. I feel like somebody's really pissed off with pasta. Isn't it? Number seven. Oh, because of some oranges. Uh, number eight. About the only thing that could make this worse is that Reeves kid popping up and trying to pull off a limey accent. <laughs> um, 
Number nine. I'm getting tired now. I don't know why anybody has kids. Uh, number ten. Uh, okay, okay. This one's not so good, but at least I'm not doing Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> uh, number 11. Oh, it isn't a quote. Number 11. The moment when you realize, <laughs> sorry, the moment when you remember Avatar is on the hit list. <laughs> Okay, number 12. Damn, I dropped one of my contacts again. <laughs> 13. Fucking hell, there's so many. I shouldn't have had that six glass of wine. <laughs> number 14. I shouldn't have eaten those beans. Number 15. Damn, this hay fever season. <laughs> number 16 and the penultimate one things would have turned out so differently if I had just given her my last (laughs) Rolo and the last one fucking hell this this is a bit hit miss number 17 if one more pedophile priest scandal hits the Vatican (laughs) oi I'm gonna give it to the guy who really has just been eating pasta for the last week or two and he's fed up of it what was the pasta uh, someone really hates pasta what was that oh there was a good pasta one um, this, like the, the one uh, damn indigestion no more carbs for me I'm sorry Tommy, yeah, but we've got to quit with yeah, all the fucking yeah, pasta yeah. okay no, well done congratulations to two girls on a bench at two girls on a bench you guys have just won yourselves a delicious Freddo that should be a new part of the podcast a new segment things Al Pacino shouldn't have eaten <laughs> <laughs> and actually on a point I listened to some of uh, two girls on a bench just the other day um, it's quite good because they do like a writing prompt um, so, I mean, I think they still do. I, I actually went back to like the very start of the podcast, have a little listen through, and um, and basically it's that they're like uh, creative writers, and they they sort of pick uh, or they did in the start of the episode. I don't know what what they do at the latest ones, but they um, they basically talk about how they get back into sort of creative writing, and they go away talk about stuff. How to the one I listened to was really early on, and they're doing like a. Uh, you have to like imagine uh, like a serial killer's uh, no, it's a, a weird professor's uh, weird scientist room and they describe the stuff that's in the room you know and then just talking about that trying to uh, help people do creative writing was the start bit I mean it's probably progressed a little bit now but just like two people having a really good conversation so it's, but they seem like really nice genuine people you can get behind and enjoy listening to so uh it's worth worth a listen i reckon yeah yeah well, i've listened to a couple of episodes as well and uh, yeah i think it's really funny it's just, a lot of the times just those two chatting um and they are talking about um different types of books different styles and writing techniques as well uh, it's and it's just really interesting just to mm-hmm. listen to their opinions and the two of them chat they actually uh, i'm pretty sure they won the um best comedy show at the um podcast awards oh, recently. Excellent. yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, nice work. so i definitely definitely recommend checking them out and follow them on twitter as well they're really engaging uh, at two girls on a bench so thank you very much for that austin um so just before we call it a day um as this episode was going on the next film on trial has been picked out of the hat at random at it is the Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. So the roles have been picked out of the hat at random as well. And in the role of defense, we've got Joel. In the role of prosecution, we've got Brucey. Character witnesses, Ozzy and Dave, which means I will be playing the judge. So thank you very much, everyone who's listened to this episode. You can catch all of our previous and our future stuff on any podcast, any podcast <laughs> platform or on 
our website, filmsontrial.co.uk. Sorry, I've just had a lollipop and I'm just salivating loads at the moment. <laughs> um, why not check us out on Twitter at Film Trials? Suggest a film for us to put in the hat and we will put it on trial. Also, while you're on Twitter, why not check out our good friends and collaborators at Aussie Ray and at the underscore quirks. That's Austin Ray, our music producer, and Winston Sang, our graphic artist who has been doing some absolutely stellar works recently, guys. So if you want to check out all of our previous um podcast pictures or any of his little doodles and sketches that he does please check him out uh why not check us out on all sorts of other social media including facebook youtube and the other one instagram well done thank you ozzy uh, so thank you very much everybody we will be in your ears next week with wolf of wall street goodbye uh-huh.